Please be seated. Uh, if you could take your copy of God's Word and turn to the book of Zephaniah, uh, Zephaniah chapter 1. We'll be going through this book over the next several weeks. At this time, if you are uh, comfortable, you are welcome to, to remove your mask uh, while you're sitting there listening to, to the Word. Um, I pray this time would be encouraging to you. Just a few, uh, really just one announcement is uh, this coming Sunday, we kind of have a new schedule. Uh, at uh, uh, we're moving our nine o'clock service that's outside to 845 uh, weather permitting so it's going to be an 845 service and that means that we are opening up Sunday school uh, Sunday school is going to be at, at 10 o'clock so if you are able to uh, t- to make it will be uh, there'll be kind of rooms all throughout some will be in the cab some will be in the gym uh, so if you want to know more about where your class will be meeting just come and talk uh, to me we'll make sure where everything's all set for uh, for Sunday so just be, be aware of of that uh, well, we are in Zephaniah, as I said, Zephaniah chapter uh, 1. We're going to be going through, uh, uh, Lord willing, into chapter 2 uh, today. So let me uh, just pray and ask God to, um, to meet us here. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that we would sit underneath it. That the word spoken is true. It's of you. We pray that you would make yourself more glorious in our eyes. Father, we do pray that we would hear the warning of wrath for sin and that we would seek your face in humility. We ask now, God, that you would take this word, bless it for the building up of your people and for the glory of your name. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Zephaniah chapter uh, 1 kind of begins with uh, this kind of charge to the people of, uh, of Judah. Uh, if you remember, in terms of the time of when Zephaniah wrote, the beginning of this book, the word of the Lord that came to Zephaniah, the son of Cushi, the son of Gedaliah, son of Amariah, son of Hezekiah, in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah. So at this time, Israel, uh, the northern kingdom, has already kind of been wiped out by Assyria, and there's going to uh, be judgment coming down upon Judah. Uh, Judah did not learn the lesson that Israel needed to learn. They were uh, continuing to struggle with syncretism. We see that in uh, syncretism, this idea of worshiping God as well as worshiping idols, right? So they were bowing down to Yahweh, but they weren't bowing down to Yahweh as the one true and only God. They're bowing down to Yahweh as well as other gods. You see that in verse 5. Those who bow down on the roofs to the host of heaven, those who bow down and swear to the Lord, and yet swear by Milcom those who have turned back from following the Lord, who do not seek the Lord or inquire of him. So the people of Judah, who have been set aside, have been called to serve Yahweh, are now serving this dual worship. Uh, And God kind of sends a warning out saying, judgment is coming. Uh, And this judgment is continuing in chapter 1, verse 7. First, we see the, the day of wrath, the day of wrath coming. Verse 7, be silent before the Lord God, For the day of the Lord is near. The Lord has prepared a sacrifice and consecrated his guest. And on on the day of the Lord's sacrifice, I will punish the officials and the king's sons and all who array themselves in foreign attire. On that day, I will punish everyone who leaps over the threshold and those who fill their master's house with violence and fraud. You're going to kind of walk, as we walk through this text, you'll see how the judgment goes against different kind of subsets in uh, Judah's life. The first he's addressing are the, the, the officials or the king's sons, the, the ones who are kind of civic leaders in 
the state. Now remember Judah, the, the, the nation of Judah was kind of directly tied to their faith. Uh, they were kind of in a, in a theonomy, which means that they were kind of all, all of those things were kind of uh, connected. Uh, those, the civic leaders were also connected to uh, the religious leaders. Uh, and these civic leaders were being punished for their kind of complicity in this dual worship of Yahweh and these foreign gods. That's why it says, I will punish the officials and the king's sons all who array themselves in foreign attire. That's this idea that you are not serving Yahweh, but you are serving the foreign false gods of the nations. In verse 9, he says, On that day I will punish everyone who leaps over the threshold, probably uh, a, a sign of pagan worship, and those who fill their master's house with violence and fraud. Now, the people of God, those who are in leadership, should be those who bring peace and justice and, and kindness and love. And these people are bringing violence and fraud. So what God is going to do, this is not the violence and fraud. It's not only among the leadership, but it's being spread out through all of, of Judah. This is kind of uh, um, epitomizes the whole entire nation. And because of that, God is going to bring his just and right wrath. When we think about the wrath of God, we have to understand when God brings wrath against sin, it is always right and always just. You know, I was talking to someone recently, and they were saying that how they view God is that God is a God of love. And really what they mean is that God is a God of all accepting love. That means that you can do whatever you want, whenever you want, and God will still love you. Now, God is a God of love, right? His arms are always open wide and saying, everybody, come to me. But you've got to come through Christ. So if you're going to live in your own way and for yourselves and for the things of this world, you will face the right and just wrath of God. This is what he's warning Judah against. Because of how you're living as a nation, I'm going to come and I'm going to bring my right and just wrath against you. And he lays out the, uh, the sins that they have done. And this wrath goes on. On verse 10, On that day, declares the Lord, a cry will be heard from the fish gate, a wail from the second quarter, a loud crash from the hills. These are specific places in Israel. Israel is kind of surrounded by hills. The fish gate probably would have been the main gate kind of going into uh, the city of Jerusalem. Uh, the second quarter was probably kind of in uh, on the hillside, right, right there, probably a specific group uh, area of the, 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 of the town. Uh, and then, of course, the loud crash from the hills, the hills that were surrounding Jerusalem. All that to say is when the day of wrath comes, it's going to be cataclysmic and it's going to be total. No one is going to be able to hide from the wrath of God. The fish gate, the center of town, the, the second quarter where people live and on the hills, God's wrath is going to come and it's going to come in ferocity. Look at verse 11. Wail, O inhabitants of mortar. Uh, scholars don't really know where mortar is, but it's, it's the same kind of idea that this is going to be expansive around this whole entire region. For all the traders, the traders there are probably Canaanites, right, coming in and kind of bringing in goods that would be against uh, the Lord. For all the traders are no more. All who weigh out silver are cut off. So all those foreigners that you've brought into your gates, they're going to be cut off as as well. And look at verse 12. At that time, I will search Jerusalem with lamps. Now, when I, when I brought it to read, I want you to kind of pay attention here because I think that right sometimes you hear about the wrath of the Lord and you're like, well, that's not me. 
I'm not the ones who are trying to actively serve against the Lord. I'm not one who's bringing violence and fraud in. But hear what it says here. It says, At that time I will search Jerusalem with lamps, and I will punish the men who are complacent. Those who say in their hearts, the Lord will not do good, nor will he do ill. Basically, I have lived this way for a certain period of time, and the Lord has not judged me. He has not brought destruction in my life. Therefore, I'm going to continue to do what I want to do. I'm going to continue to not live for the Lord. I'm going to be complacent. I'm going to fall back and serve myself. And beloved, can I just say, one of the besetting sins of the American church, I think, is complacency. We don't take God, God's word seriously because it's very easy for us to kind of get caught up in the world and in the things of the world. And I think I've even seen it even more. One of my fears is that because of COVID, because of the, the resisting or not the, the challenge of gathering and all the different things that kind of go with this, this season, that we're going to become more complacent and we're not going to pursue the Lord with an, a, 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 a desire to please and honor him above all else. We're going to be complacent. So I would just ask you, is that you? Are you complacent in your study of God's word? Are you complacent in your prayer life? Are you complacent in how you serve the body of Christ? Are you complacent in anything in your life that God wants you to cast aside? Whether that's too much entertainment, too much time on the internet, that may not be explicitly evil, or maybe it's something that is directly sinful. Maybe you have someone in your life that you have chosen not to forgive and you are embittered against someone. Maybe you have a secret sin of looking at pornography. Uh, Maybe you have uh, an addiction to drugs or alcohol. Hear this warning from the Lord. Those who say the Lord will not do good, nor will he do ill. I can continue to live this way because he hasn't brought evil in my life yet. Oh, friend, hear me. There is a day coming. Look at verse 13. Their goods shall be plundered, their houses laid waste. Though they build houses, they shall not inhabit them. Though they plant vineyards, they shall not drink wine from them. Now, this is a kind of a, almost a direct quote from Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 15 through 68. In Deuteronomy 28 through 30, God kind of lays out my people, if they follow me, if they obey my word and they live for me, they are going to reap the blessings of God. But if they deny me, if they don't serve me, if they forget about me, here's the curses that are going to be laid upon them. And the curses are very laid out, this right here. So if you were from, from uh, Israel, from Judah, and you heard this, you would have said, okay, we, the covenant people of God, have walked away, and we are feeling the curse of God because of our disobedience. It would have been very clear to the first hearers. Verse 14. The great day of the Lord is near, near and hastening fast. The sound of the day of the Lord is bitter. The mighty man cries aloud there. The day of wrath is that day a day of distress and anguish, a day of ruin and devastation, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet blast and a battle cry against the fortified cities, against the lofty battlements. 
Those fortified cities who think that they're safe, they're not. Those lofty battlements who are kind of built to, to protect the city, they will be wiped out. Because the day of the Lord is near. The day of distress is near. The day of gloom is near. The day of anguish is near. The day of ruin is near. The day of devastation is near. The day of darkness and gloom is near. Don't miss that. Now, when this prophecy came forward, we know that very shortly thereafter, the nation of, of Judah would be judged and be removed to, to Babylon. And even with Josiah as a righteous king, trying to reform and trying to bring God's people back to himself through repentance, they, they would not Listen, no one will be safe on the day of the Lord. Look at verse 17. The reason why this day is coming. I will bring distress on mankind so they shall walk like the blind because they have sinned against the Lord. Because they have sinned against the Lord. Friends, this is all of us. All of us have sinned against the Lord. And I pray as we see this, as the texts go on, that you are one that is not continuing to sin, but has been awakened of your sin, and you have sought the Lord in righteousness and in humility. But those who have sinned against the Lord, look what it says, their blood shall be poured out like dust and their flesh like dung. That which is, gives life, life is kind of in the blood, that will be dust. We see that all throughout even the book of Ecclesiastes, all throughout the Bible, there's this picture of dust. You were formed from dust, and to dust you shall return. That which is life-giving blood will become dust. Your flesh, that which is a symbol of life, will be dung. The devastation will be total. Verse 18 Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them on the day of the wrath of the Lord. You know, friends, many people try to trust in other things for salvation on that day. Whether it's your good works, whether it's your bank account, uh, whether it's your church attendance. All the things that you think that you trust in, anything outside of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, his righteousness on your behalf, you stand no chance. So just look at the world we live in. And when you look at the world that you live in, and you see people trusting in their, in their image, trusting in their youth, trusting in their silver and their gold, in their houses, do not desire or envy them, grieving your heart. Because silver and gold won't save. Your youth will fade. Because verse 18, in the fire of his jealousy, all the earth shall be consumed for a full and sudden end, he will make all the inhabitants of the earth. Nothing will help in that day when the Lord, in his jealousy, jealous for his glory, jealous for you, the best thing for your life is to pursue Jesus Christ and pursue the, the glory of the Lord. That is the best thing for you. This world wants to say that if you, if you, if you go after Jesus, you're going to miss out on all these things. You're not going to be able to experience all these joys and all these pleasures. They are lies. If you pursue Jesus, you will have eternal joy. But you won't just have eternal joy. You'll have joy today. I mean, we all know those moments in our life when we're walking with the Lord and we feel the joy and the countenance on our face is just different. And then those times when we feel zapped and we start drifting from the Lord, 
We can feel joylessness. So the first, we just see very clearly the day of wrath is coming. Second, we want to see the day of repentance. Look at verse chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. This is the, 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 the call to repentance for the nation. Gather together. Yes, gather, O shameless nation. Before the decree takes place, before the day passes away like shaft, before there comes upon you the burning anger of the Lord, before there comes upon you the day of the anger of the Lord. Do you see how kind God is here? He, he sees your sin. He sees how you're living. And he says, listen, before the Lord's wrath comes, before his anger comes, before the end is here, before you breathe your last breath and face God in judgment, before that day, he says, seek the Lord. All you humble of the land who do his just commands, seek righteousness, seek humility. Perhaps you may be hidden on the day of the anger of the Lord. Verse 3, what we, what we recognize is that we have to seek the Lord. We have to turn from our sins and we have to seek after the Lord. And the only way that we're going to do that, beloved, is if we're humble. If we think that we have it all together, if we think that our sins are, are, are not as bad as, as everybody else's sins, and that because I've done all this kind of good things, therefore God is going to accept me, he says, no. We need to mourn and grieve over our sin and turn from it, and then, in humility, seek the Lord's face. Seek his righteousness, living that, that righteous life that God would be pleased with in humility, trusting and depending fully on his mercy. And then I love that word, perhaps. Perhaps. You know, God is a merciful God. His mercy is never ending. It's, it, it's never ceasing. He delights to throw grace and mercy on his people. But listen, friends, we should never presume on God's kindness. We should never think that I can do all this over here and expect blessings from the Lord over here. That's not the way that the kingdom of God works. We should always approach the Lord in humility. Now, we praise God for the commandments that God has given us, the promises that he does, that if you turn from your sins and trust in Christ, you will be saved. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. But we should always approach the Lord of hosts, the King of kings, with humility, because we are mere men and he is immortal. Well, I think what you see here in Zephaniah is very similar to another passage in the New Testament, and we'll end here. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5. First Thessalonians chapter 5. You see a lot of the same things here. This is right after uh, Paul kind of gives that great charge of uh, the, the end times, that Jesus Christ is going to come and rescue those people who are in the grave, who are asleep, and he's going to the, the, the dead and who are those who are alive are going to meet the Lord in the air. This is we should encourage one another with these words. And in chapter 5, he kind of talks about the day of the Lord. Now concerning the, the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. So let me just say this. Uh, I hear a lot of people talking more and more that we're kind of in the end times right, that the Lord's going to come back soon. Listen, beloved, the Lord can come back at any moment, okay? But we've been in the last days for a while, right? So we shouldn't get overwhelmed and un undone with everything everyone's talking, all the prophecies that people are kind of giving out there, because concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you, right? We don't know when the Lord's going to come back, but we know he's going to come back, 
And when he comes back, it's going to be quick. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, or in Zephaniah's word, a swift and sudden end. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains upon, come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. If but you, beloved believer, are not in darkness, brothers, for the day to surprise you like a thief. For you are children of the light, children of the day. You are not the, of, the, of the night of dark or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. So he's, what he's trying to say is, let us not be complacent. Let us not live in darkness and live in this world. We belong to Christ. We are children of, of the day. Verse 6, so then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, we belong to Christ, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for, the, for a helmet, the hope of salvation, the hope, the living hope of God raising Jesus Christ from the dead. And verses 9 through 11, oh, beloved, for God has not destined us for wrath. God has not destined us for the day of wrath, the day of distress, the day of gloom, the day of darkness, the day of total devastation. God has not destined us for his wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, Encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Beloved, we do not have to fear that day if we belong to Christ. We know that day is going to come, and when it comes, we'll be ready. We know that when our time has come, right, when we breathe our last, we will be ready because we belong to Christ. And God did not destine us for his wrath, but to obtain salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ because Jesus has died for you. And even more than that, he's been raised for you. So whether we are awake in this life or sleep in the next, we have no fear because we belong to Christ. So during these strange times, let us encourage one another with the hope that we have in the gospel. And let us plead, plead with those who are far from Christ to be awakened before the day of the wrath comes. Father, we pray that we would be children of the day, that if there's anything in us that needs to be repented of, any complacency in us, I pray, God, that we would turn from it, and that we would understand that because Jesus Christ died for us, we are no longer destined for wrath, but to obtain salvation, eternal life, life everlasting, to a place that is unfading, imperishable, kept in heaven for us. So God, I pray that we would be those who encourage one another with the, the hope that we are safe on the day of your judgment. Let us seek humility. Let us seek righteousness. And God, we may perhaps experience your salvation. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.